Let your steadfast love come to us, O Lord. Let your steadfast love come to us, O Lord. Save us as you promised. We trust your word. Let your steadfast love come to us, O The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, I invite you to be seated. I used to love it when my grandparents would tell me their stories. In fact, every time my grandmother would tuck me into bed, I would beg her to tell me again, Grandma, tell me again about the time when a tornado came through Purvis, Mississippi and made the house fly. Y'all thought it happened in Kansas. I felt like I was in the yard holding on to the bushes with her while the tornado tried to pull us up into the sky. In the same way, I'd crawl up into my grandpa's lap and say, Grandpa, tell me again the story about how you were shot and captured by the German army. This was the First World War. And as he told me his war stories, I could imagine myself huddled with him in the bombed out chimney of an old farmhouse for the first time, again. Now when somebody mentions a tornado or battlefields of the First World War, I think about those old stories and the lessons that I learned from them. Matthew knows how that works. He knows that when he says that Jesus was in the wilderness fasting for 40 days and nights, that we'll say, oh yeah, we know that one, tell us again. He's drawing on the power of the twice-told tale. 
He knows we'll hear in that story the echoes of another story told long, long, long ago about how God freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and then wandered with them in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years. That we'll remember how God led them out of Egypt and brought them to the very foot of Mount Horeb and then how Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God there. It's written in Deuteronomy, the ninth chapter, Moses says, When I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant which the Lord had made with you, then I remained on the mountain forty days and nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. As the story goes, he was up there so long, the Israelites thought that Moses must be dead and God had gone missing too. So they were tempted by this long absence to give up trusting in the Lord and they panicked and they asked themselves, who's going to take care of us now? So they made a golden calf which reminded them of the images of the deities they had known in Egypt And they bowed down and worshipped it because an Egyptian god was better than no god at all. We're not so different. There are a lot of things that we turn to to avoid having to rely on God. Maybe it's our real estate. You know, we protect, we really protect what we think is going to be the remaining property value in our homes. Our investments. We turn to politicians with their empty promises. Or maybe we try to ignore our vulnerability in the world by just distracting ourselves. We can distract ourselves with shopping and with eating and with romantic intrigue and with alcohol and all sorts of other substances, none of which can replace God. But Moses came down the mountain and saw them worshiping the golden bull and he was appalled And as it is written in Deuteronomy, he says, And I fell down before the Lord as at first, forty days and nights, and I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sin, which you had committed in doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. See, Matthew knows the power of that story. So Matthew introduces us to Jesus by telling us how the Spirit of the Lord led Jesus out into the wilderness like God had led the Israelites out into the wilderness and how he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights like Moses and he's famished. We already know what's coming next because we've heard the story, right? Temptation, the temptation to lose faith, the temptation to doubt God's promise and power and presence, the temptation to rely on someone or something else even ourselves, and that's the test. Now, tests make us nervous because we immediately go to, what if we fail? We pray the Lord's Prayer, save us from the time of trial, which also implies the time of testing. Why does God test people? It doesn't seem very nice, does it, to have a God that would test people? We hear the word test and our anxiety goes up. I don't know about you, I start thinking about that spelling test in the first grade or the driver's exam to get my first license or a test where we can, uh, our college finals or maybe it's the bar exam, whatever, tests. 
But the point of the test is not to fail us. The point of a test is always to discover and show us what we know and what we're able to do. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses said, God led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. Moses is saying this to the Israelites. He says, the Lord brought water out of hard rock for you and gave you manna to eat in the desert to humble and test you so that in the end to do you good. To test you and in the end to do you good. To bless you. That is the reason there are tests. So Matthew says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested by the devil. Now, who is the devil? Also known as the Satan, the tempter, the trickster, whose job it is to test us, to trip us up. Also called the diabolos, which is where we get the word diabolical, shifty. Satanus literally means adversary, as in a contest. Stoffer again points out that the tempter, the tester, does not have the power to make us do anything. We can't say the devil made us do it. Never works that way. Temptation is not coercion. No, to tempt means to entice us to want to do something. See, tempters try to make the temptee want to do something bad. They don't take away our will, rather they try to change our will. We know what's good, we know what's bad. It's that not that we don't know most of the time, it's just that we sometimes want to do the bad. Or we don't want to do the good. In the scriptures, the tempter is usually another human being. Sometimes it shows up, like in the Garden of Eden, in the serpent, we don't know that it was a snake, or when this, the devil takes Jesus into the wilderness, it seems like the supernatural being. But other times, the exact same word is used for the apostle Peter, and for Pharisees, and for Sadducees, and for Herodians, and for an attorney, because in every case, they're asking Jesus a question in order to tempt him, test him. And Jesus always responds to these Satans with scriptures. He either quotes the scripture or alludes to the scripture, and he does the same thing now. So he's in the wilderness, he's famished. The devil shows up and asks him the first question. If you are the son of God, command these stones, you know, the rocks to become bread. You don't have to be hungry. You know, if you're royal or divine, prove it. Use your power to your own benefit. What kind of God sits around listening to his stomach growl when he could show off and satisfy himself? And the answer again comes from Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter. Moses said to the Israelites, remember the long way that the Lord your God led you these 40 days in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep God's commandments. The Lord humbled you by letting you hunger and then by feeding you with manna in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Ah, yes. 
And Jesus answered the devil saying, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He remembered the story. Next, the devil takes Jesus to Jerusalem, the holy city, the highest point on the top of the temple. It's widely believed that the Messiah will reveal himself from this point, the pinnacle of the temple. But this test is a little more subtle. The Satan this time quotes from Psalm 91, a little out of context, and says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written in the psalm. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. In other words, oh, but do you trust God to protect you from harm? If you really trust God's promises, jump. I think the same test gets presented to us when people say, if you had enough faith, you would pray and God would heal you. Or when we pray, God, if you really exist, then we want you to grant this wish. Jesus sees the ruse. He rebukes the tempter again, quoting from Deuteronomy. It helps to know Deuteronomy. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, Matthew's hoping we're going to remember the rest of that line. He figures we know the story. He knows that that line says, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. See, after God fed the Israelites with the manna in the wilderness, they started grumbling that God, okay, fine, God fed us with manna. I guess now God's just going to let us die of thirst. So Moses called the place Massa and Meribah, which means quarrel and test. Because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Then the third test comes. Now the devil takes Jesus up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, all of these I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. Which implies that the devil has all authority over all the kingdoms of the world, that they somehow belong to the devil and are the devil's purse to give. But we aren't fooled because we know the story. Now, it was the last day of Moses' life, also in Deuteronomy. Moses, you'll recall, went up on the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo. And there the Lord God showed Moses the whole land, we're told. Gilead, as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, and as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to Moses, this is the land which I swore to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, Moses, but you will not cross over there. And then Moses died. Now the reason... Moses didn't get to cross into the promised land was because he had fallen into temptation in the wilderness of taking his stick and striking a rock with it so that water would come out. Because one time God had told him to do that and it had worked. So then after that he figured, hey, I can do this on my own. And it would make it look like Moses was the one providing for the people rather than God. 
He tried to do it on his own, to rely on his own power, to take control. You know, we do that, right? We try to run our lives, make our decisions, force our outcomes, instead of returning to the Lord and waiting on God's answers. But the way to blessing and good is to trust in God alone. But see, Jesus doesn't seek to possess all the kingdoms of the world, so he's not real tempted by the promise of the devil. In fact, Jesus is here only to proclaim and to live in the king, into the kingdom of God. So he answers again with scripture from Deuteronomy, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Now Jesus did not use any power beyond what we have. He wasn't relying on supernatural powers. He was just relying on the fact that from the time he was a little boy, he had been told these stories in scripture, and he had read them, and he knew the story of Moses and the Israelites, and he knew Deuteronomy. We can do that. The scriptures are the key to life. Pastor Ann Runquist, who serves the gathering table, which we support, so most of you have heard of it, but it's an inner city congregation. I mean, her congregation are, are gosh, I think all homeless, mostly homeless. And a big focus of her ministry is feeding them and providing basic essentials of life, clothing, you know, helping them out when they're in dire straits. Well, when COVID hit, uh, and she had to shut down. We all shut down our sanctuaries and tried to figure out what to do next. Well, her congregation doesn't have computers or the internet or Wi-Fi or smartphone. I mean, it's like they were cut off. There was going to be no Zoom. So she decided to continue feeding them on Saturdays outside. So they were making sandwiches and whatnot and eating outdoors all through the year, including through the winter. But shortly after she had abandoned worship and was focusing on the feeding, one day they were all outside, they're eating their sandwiches or whatever, and they say to her, Pastor Ann, we want to worship. Now, these are hungry people, and she's giving them food, thinking that's what they need, but they know that one does not live by bread alone. They say, we want to worship. Why don't we worship anymore? Pastor Ann, tell us the stories about Jesus. We want to hear the Jesus stories again. And so they began worshiping outside. And every Saturday with the meal, they got Jesus stories and chances to share their own stories and to pray. Knowing the story is the power for life. Life that comes from the story of life with God. As soon as the devil departs, we're told the end of the story, this scene anyway. Jesus tells the devil to depart, away with you, Satan. And as soon as the devil leaves, we're told Jesus looks up and sees angels there coming to him. I imagine them walking across the desert, bearing big baskets of food. And we're told that they bring food and drink to Jesus, a feast there in the desert, sent by a God who is always faithful, always providing, always present. Amen.